Hello, movie friends. Welcome back to the show. Anthony here. James is still away. He's returning tomorrow. So I'm doing the weekly chat by myself. And you know, it's kind of nice to just have the place to myself. I've just been chilling with Luna and Juno, although they are separated. I've been keeping Juno in James's room as a prison. He's got everything he needs, food, water, uh, his litter box. And then um, I let him out. Well, when I put Luna in my bedroom, I let him out and roam around for like an hour, and then I put him back in. So he's been a, a prisoner at home, and he's not happy about it, but it is what it is. They can't uh, be in the same room together. But anyways, I, I thought I would take this opportunity, since I'm not chatting with anyone, I could keep you all up to date on what's going on with our short film, Midnight Ruin. Now, a lot has been happening. I'm a very meticulous planner, and I like to have things locked in as soon as possible with anything. And so we've been doing... A ton of work over the last two weeks. I hired a DP, a terrific cinematographer, and he's got a great gaffer as all the equipment he needs. He actually, the DP uses an Ari Alexa Mini, which is actually the same camera that the GOAT Roger Deakins uses. So it'll be nice to have such high quality uh, camera work for the film. And he's also got an easy rig, so I want to do mostly handheld photography, but not like shaky handheld, more like naturalistic kind of documentary and style handheld footage and he's got a, an easy rig which is this huge strap pack that goes over your torso and then it has like this crane that goes over your head and then it has this really strong wire that holds onto the camera it dangles from the top of the crane onto the top of the camera and then so the camera it's supported by this wire and you can hold it and it has the handheld look but it's not shaky it's not like it's not like a Jason Bourne movie where it's just like, come on, sometimes it's a little too shaky. Like, It has more of just like, you know it's not on a tripod and you know it's not on a steady cam. There's a bit of movement, but it's not too much. Like, That's exactly what I want because I want to film this like a lot of great uh, French and Belgian films that I really love that are shot handheld. Um, so Romanian films as well and a lot of um, great American filmmakers like Chris Nolan, his early movies and even a lot of his more contemporary films are shot with quite a lot of handheld. Uh, Ryan Coogler's film Fruitvale Station is a big inspiration for this. So he shot that entire movie handheld and looks terrific. Like minimalist cinematography, minimalist lighting. And it's a minimalist production all around. We're going with very practical lighting. And practical being that the lights are on screen. It's not just like a bunch of big diffused studio lights that don't make sense in a scene. Or to make the actors look perfect with like the perfect lighting. Or to hit like all the beats that you, like they teach you in school and like, oh, you have to photograph it like this. You have to light it like this. You need to have, you need to have the key and the fill in the background to, to outline the person's shoulders. Like I want it to be um, realistic. I want an, if an actor's in a room, the light pouring on them needs to be coming from a real source. And it doesn't, I don't want it to look perfect. I don't want it to look like um, soft. I want it to be like, oh, this feels like a real environment. And I want to put the actors in real spaces to make them feel like this is real. It's not just a set to help them get into the scene. And so we have great DP. I got a sound guy who's got high quality work so he can make sure the dialogue sounds really great because dialogue in, in scenes and films is so important. If, you're, if your sound doesn't, doesn't sound right, it doesn't matter how good the image looks, bad dialogue audio will throw you off and throw the audience off and I don't want to do any ADR, so 
We have him locked in. He's got a great microphone that he's going to use, which I'm super happy about. For sets and locations, we found them all, and I've already rented all the spaces. So we're renting three interior locations um, that I already paid for, and then a desert location that I already paid for as well. So the desert location is in Barstow, California, which is like the middle of the desert, about an hour and a half outside the city. And there's this woman who owns a, a property that's 80 acres of secluded desert. And But the reason, the, the prime real estate in that 80 acres is a 40-acre barren lake bed where it's just like flatlands, flat desert. And I'm like, oh my God, I have to get this space. So I got it. So that's going to be a pivotal um, sequence for the for the short film on this lake bed. So it's going to work really well. We're going to do some light tests out there this week. I'm going to go, we're going to go visit it because we have to do a couple of light tests. Um, but the other interiors, we got like a divey old bar. We got uh, an old vintage retro motel. We got uh, a dumpy apartment. And we're going to do some exterior locations in the streets. A few things here and there. But otherwise, those are, that's it for locations. So four main locations and then a few shots will be done on neighboring streets. So we have to location scout. I've already worked out the schedule with James. Schedule is tight, rock solid, and we're going to shoot over three days. So it's going to be three very busy days, and the third day will actually be an all-nighter. We're going to start at 8 p.m. and finish uh, by 6 a.m. So that's going to be a tough shoot for everyone, which is why I saved it for the last day of uh, photography, because I don't want to have the cast and crew go through an all-nighter, finish shooting, be dead, and then have to film. Oh, yeah, we're going to start filming more scenes today. At noon, so that's going to be the last day of photography. But for cast, finally, some very exciting news. I've managed to cast the two lead roles of the film. These two roles are basically basically the entire film. There's a couple of side characters that have literally like a couple of lines, so it's not super important casting them right now. But I've been like pretty anxious and worried about making sure I can cast the two leads as soon as possible with good performers. And I got a great recommendation from a very good friend of mine, Brittany. Shout out, Brittany, who sent me these two guys, and they fit the roles perfectly. And I, I sent them the script, and on their own, and they're, they're very good friends, so they read it together on their own. And they both selected the correct role that I had in mind for them without me telling them, because they both were drawn to the correct role. And I had... A great Zoom call with them and a phone call, and it went well. They're terrific. They're pros. They've worked a ton in TV and independent film, but mostly a lot of television, like decade worth of television for each of them, which is great because they're not only are they very good and talented, and I think they're both suited to the roles really well, but they both have so much experience professionally working. Because I, I was worried. I've been looking through so many so many actor casting websites over like the last two weeks and some of them like a couple of them la casting like i made the submission for the the post for the film and it, it took like a week and a half for that to even approve be approved by the website and it just posted but i already it posted after i cast it these two guys so it was too late for that but the other websites they're great i mean they have so many actors on there to to look at and i went through Everyone I could look through for like the last several days, and I've seen probably 
I've seen probably 15,000 at least headshots and looked through the profiles of a couple of thousand like that seemed okay and then looked through their profiles and I've watched hundreds of reels. And to be honest, I wasn't, I never really found people that I felt were right for either role. And so I was getting, I was getting worried because I was looking through so many profiles and not feeling satisfied. And then um, I made lists of a bunch of agencies to see if I could find, you know, repped talent that aren't unionized, that have an agent or, and they, or they have a manager, but they're willing to work for on something like this, like a small scale non-union project to help with their portfolio. And I made a huge list of these agencies I was going to reach out to um, on Monday, but then these two guys, my friend, friends of my friend, they um, they hit me up. They're super interested. They love the script, and then we chatted. And it just it just feels right. And they're so super on board. Like they're so into it, and they're like down for it. And I can afford them, which is great. And so now that the two lead roles are cast, now that we have the DP, we have the sound, we have the locations. Um, we also have a bunch of crew. Some fans of the sh- some listeners of the show and some friends are going to be helping out um, as uh, crew members, as assistants. So we got like a full team and things are just like slowly rolling. All, of all that's really left is I have to buy a lot of props and I have to buy a lot of wardrobe because I'm, I'm going to be styling all the actors because I used to be a fashion photographer and I styled a bunch of my old shoots. So I, I have quite a bit of experience styling people. And I've made huge lists at bookmarks and um, watch lists on like eBay and Amazon and a few other websites that have great clothes that are either used and cheap or just already cheap. And then I made a huge prop list of every prop that needs to be used in the film. Um, We own lots of things that can be used. So that helps to have, I think there's like 20 items that we don't have to buy because they're just common items that like anyone would have so we can just repurpose them for the film but I do need to buy like like 40 props a couple of them are pretty expensive I need a I need a good prop gun I found I found a good prop gun we're not going to use a blank gun because I I want to make sure everyone feels safe blank guns obviously they are safe but they can have um, bad outcomes we've seen in the last several years several instances of you know blanks um, misfiring or uh, firing an actual projectile, and there are there are safer blanks. So, um, for example, like the blank kind of blank guns that um, killed Brandon Lee and killed that cinematographer in the Alec Baldwin movie last year. Um, it's a it's a front firing blank. Those types, and so those blanks they fire um, the blank in the front and out of the snout of the gun like a normal gun. But then there's the 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 and it's basically it's just a vent it's not actually f- like firing a projectile but it's like a vent that releases um the material that's used to create smoke and flash and then sometimes by accident something can get caught in there and that can kill some like that's what killed Brandon Lee so there was an actual projectile that was accidentally stuck in there and then there's so it's the vent that is exhaling the the material that creates both the smoke and the flash bang but there's also blanks that can fire with the top vent. So the top vent will be the small vent hole that's on the top of the gun. So when you fire the gun, nothing comes out of the front of the gun. It's just completely shut off inside. And instead, the material comes out of the top of the gun. It's flash smoke rises from the top very quickly too. 
And so when it's when you film it, it looks fine because you can't really. I mean, it so it happens so fast that it still looks completely believable. So the vet is at the top instead, but also can be dangerous. Like if you if you put your hand on top of the gun and fired the blank gun on top of the vent, that would pe- like just the air it shoots out so quickly it would pierce your skin and damage your hand. Um, so it is still dangerous, um, especially if you're using it close quarters. But the big the big problem that I found researching the blank guns is that hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting go to your happy place for a happy price Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y dot com. The real blank guns, they have orange, orange painted snouts to show because they look so real and they fire so realistically. You need to have the bright orange snout on it to show if someone sees it in public that it's a fake gun immediately. And so it's actually illegal to remove that unless you got, get permission from um, your local jurisdiction. And that can be a process. And then also, if you're going to use that, it is illegal to use it without notifying authorities in the area. So I would have to first get permission to remove the orange tip. And then I'd have to find um, the jurisdiction, get in contact with them, and also have to hire a cop to be present. That's the law. The cop has to be present if, even if a, if, a fa- if a real fake gun is being used um, for whatever purpose. And so... There's a lot of, like, it's too many moving parts, too complicated, and I don't think I'll be able to afford having, like, a police detail there. They can be quite expensive. So I'm choosing the alternative route of getting an air gun, and it just uh, like a BB gun, essentially, that fires um, with a recoil. Obviously not as much of a recoil as, like, a real fake, a blank gun, but it still, it looks good when it fires. Um, there, it's just the recoil isn't as physical, so the actor will have to pretend that there's kind of a recoil. And then it doesn't create a flash. That is an issue. So we'll have to digitally put in a flash. And it's actually quite easy. I looked into um, how, how to do an After Effects in Adobe. And it's it's quite simple. And it looks great if you do it the right way. And um, I really only need it for two gunshots. So it's, it's not going to be that much of a, a hassle. But mainly, the BB gun is completely safe. We're not going to put any pellets in it. So it'll just be firing with a CO2 tank inside the mag, which makes it fire. And we'll be firing it what's called firing it dry. So nothing's loaded. There's not a single BB in it. It'll just be it'll just fire empty. And so that way, I think everyone will feel safe. Everyone will feel completely comfortable. None of us are um, professionals with these with firearms. I can't afford a guy to be there. And so I just want to make sure I want to make sure more than anything everyone feels safe around it. So if we just have an air gun, absolutely no risk at all especially with nothing in it, 
So I just, I, that's my number one thing. Obviously make it look as realistic as possible, but also make sure everyone feels comfortable. That's super important to me. So, um, and it, and the gun, the pistols, the one, the one, one I want, especially it looks legit. It's made out of all metal. So it feels right. And as long as it looks fine, um, we'll be, we'll be shooting in quite dark lighting. So the, the realistic nature of the firing doesn't have to be completely spot on. We can get away with it. We can use the filmmaking trickery to help create the illusion that it's a real gunshot. So I feel confident that we can make it look great while still making everyone feel safe. So that's number one. But other than that, you know, lots of props, lots of wardrobe. I found some great stuff. I already bought a couple of pieces and I'm going to do another meeting with our lead actors this week. And yeah, there's just a lot going on. We, we A lot of it's already set. We're filming um, the second week in December. And I'm just very happy that we have so much already locked in. Like I already paid the DP a retainer. I paid the audio guy a retainer. I'm going to pay the actors retainers um, because I want to make them know that they're appreciated, but also um, being a former freelancer, I know how it's like when you're waiting for a job to come, not only like you do the job, but then you'd have to wait like a month or two months or even three months to get the payment. So I know what it's like to be a freelancer and all these fellows are freelancers. So I want to make sure like, Hey, I appreciate you. Here's the retainer for a day's work before a month before we even start filming. And so I've locked in everyone that way. Indiegogo was amazing. We're almost at 6,000 now. Uh, and everyone who, who supported has been so, so nice and so appreciated. And if anyone would like to throw some more money, feel free to no pressure. And if you'd like to, that would be amazing. If not, I still appreciate your support. Um, online and in our messages and stuff and, and tuning in. And I know a lot of people are really excited and I keep getting so many great messages and, and comments and um, people are wishing me luck and lots of people are looking forward to seeing it. So I'm really looking forward to the process. Luckily, the scheduling worked out for everyone. We're filming it before the holiday season. So it'll be the second early in the second week in December. I wanted to do December so that we had enough time to gather everything and not rush it. We've done, I've done productions like this before and, and it's like, you got to make sure everything is meticulously planned. I want to make sure that we have every prop, we have every piece of clothing that's needed. And also we have enough time to chat with the crew about what our plan is. Um, and also really iron out the schedule. We do have to do some location, location scouting. I have to scout out some streets because we're filming like the first day we're filming in a bar and then we're filming in the motel setting so those two big interiors that'll take up the 12 hour day but then the second day we're filming um in the apartment set for five hours but then we have to do exteriors and there's four different small sequences for exteriors that we have to do before it's too late we don't want to do anything higher than 10 or 12 hour work day so we're gonna scout locations near the apartment set and so that once we finish the apartment um, shooting we can just bounce around the locations nearby that way it's we're not spending we're not wasting time driving to places we're not wasting time um, looking for the right spots so I want to make sure we scout their locations properly feel good about them um, know what they look like at the right times because um, timing is everything visually and also for some of the night sequences we don't need too many lights but we'll we will need uh, for a couple of spots, we'll need to know we'll need to know where to put the lights. So I need to know the make sure the DP is well informed of what the environment looks like, 
I've already sent him videos and um, photos of every um, interior location so far. So it's just a lot, a lot more prep work. And then from my experience, if you're prepared, once you get onto set, it's kind of a breeze. As long as all, as long as all the pieces are there, as long as a plan is set in place, as it's, it's actually quite simple. Um, I like to make extensive shot lists and storyboards. So you basically just kind of follow the notes you already had planned and, um, obviously open to um, improvisation and changing things up. But if you go, if you walk into the day with a, with a really well done, well thought out plan, it's actually kind of a breeze, um, especially because we're shooting quite quickly. We have, we're shooting t- seven to eight pages per day. Um, so it's, it's pretty fast. Um, it's going to be, especially the third day is going to be quite intense in physical. And that's probably going to be the most difficult day. But I think that um, we have a great crew. We have a, a great cast so far. Everyone seems very excited. We're getting help from um, Calvin's coming out, Cody's coming out. We have a few fans who want to be extras. Um, if anyone else is, if anyone's in the LA area and wants to be an extra, hit us up in our DMs. We'd be happy to have you. Like the more extras, the better. Um, um, but it's gonna be a lot of fun. Oh, and it's just like it's gonna be. It's gonna be great and. My plan is to hopefully have it edited um, by the end of the new year. Um, I'm working with Jacob to do the sound mix, so he's going to be mixing the sound, make sure we sound great, um, just like he does with our show. And then I'm going to be working with the DP to color grade the footage after I edit it. So we want to go with a, a film look, um, pretty minimal, nothing too stylized, nothing too colorized. And that process, the post-production process, I estimate will probably take three to four weeks um, until it's like finally done. Cause I have to do Foley art as well. Um, Foley art is just creating sound effects for everything you see on screen. So I'll have to, James and I will be like recording footsteps or recording like a door opening or all sorts of things to make sure the audio sounds terrific. So things like that, I'll, what I'll, what I'll do is I'll make an a, a assembly cut, which is basically a rough version of the entire film, um, bare bones of all the scenes with the the cuts that I want and then trim that down, fine tune that. And then once that's good, uh, I can put in, begin putting in Foley art in the correct spots while also color grading the footage um, to make sure we have the style that we like and the look that we like. So post-production is quite a process. It takes a, it takes a lot longer than the actual filming, but if it's done well, then it's, it's really helps elevate the film to new heights. And then we have a great composer um, that we've already hired as well, who's super talented. Uh, he's got exactly the kind of style that I'm looking for for the film. And so I can't, once I have a cut for him, I'm going to send it to him right away. And I'm probably going to have a conversation with him in the next couple of weeks to go over like kind of an idea, send him um, some scores I want him to listen to or watch some films I want him to watch. Same thing with the DP. I want to send him some things that I want him to check out in terms of really understanding the the approach to the the filmmaking that I'm going for. But all in all, it's coming along. It's you know De- December is going to be here before we know it. Uh we'll be on set in like the blink of an eye. You know, that's how time works. So, um very exciting. It's going to it's going to be happening very soon and once it does happen, it's going to be very fast and very intense, but also a lot of fun. And so my next 2 weeks will be spent gathering props and clothing and scouting so it's gonna be a lot of fun 
And yeah, we're all very excited. So exciting times. But that's all for the Midnight Ruin update so far. We'll do a, another weekly chat when James is back and talk further about the progression of the production. Uh, but I think uh, we got something really exciting on our hands. So thanks for tuning in. James will be back very soon. So it'll go back to normal for both movie news and the weekly chat. We have some excellent episodes heading your way. We have a Western episode tomorrow where we had a special guest, Justin Tate. We talked about contemporary Westerns and he had a lot of great anecdotal stories. He about being on sets. He was on uh, the set for the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford as an extra. He has some cool anecdotes about uh, Tarantino. Um, so a lot of fun having him on. A really great conversation that comes out tomorrow. And then we have some very special episodes coming out next week as well. We're planning, finally, a Martin Scorsese episode that will come out on Thanksgiving Day. So when you're making your commute to your family or getting on a plane or on a long drive to see friends and family for the holiday, we have a f- we're going to have like a four-hour Martin Scorsese episode for you to listen to. It's going to be pretty epic. I'm really excited to research it and talk about it and then edit it because we haven't done a director spotlight in a while, and those can be like hugely epic. Like our Fincher one was like three and a half hours, and our Tarantino one... I think it was four hours, so I think our Scorsese one might be the best of them all. I, w- I would like to hit, like, five hours if we can. Like, that would be insane. We're, we're going to have to take, like, a lunch break in between and have our own little intermission because there's just so much to say about the guy. But very excited. Lots of things are happening. Hope you all are having a great week so far. See you next time. <laughs>